You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Welcome, everybody. You are in the man box, and I am Rick Fry. We are brought to you by Oneness Ministries. Find out more about Oneness by going to our website, oneness-ministries.org. And you can also contribute to this if you want to become a partner with us on the same website. Go to the donate button. Well, I have with me a guy that I've interviewed once before, and he called me and said, let's do it again. Well, actually, I was the one that said, let's do it again. Yeah, and it's then more was, of a continuation. Yeah, a continuation. So yeah. here we are back again. Clay, how are you, brother? I am good. How are you, Rick? Oh, really well, really well. We're, we're a little unprepared because our schedules kind of got messed up, and then they cleared up, and so we rescheduled this. So if we... Fumble around, bear with us. We'll get it together eventually. Sooner or later, we'll get on the right <laughs> subject. <laughs> Just let the Lord guide us here, and we'll, we'll, we'll end up where we're supposed to be. There you go. There you go. Um, so what do you got today? You got your Bible open? I do, Rick. I do. Um, during the last interview, we really we touched on one particular scripture, and that was uh, John 17, 15, and... Uh, and let me just read it. I know you you read it the last time, so let me just uh, let's get back onto that because this is okay. uh, this is something that I think I would like to touch on. It says my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Now, I know you said the last time that you know the evil the one was an add on, right? You know, so uh, but as you said that and. In my study since then, I just asked, I asked the Lord, I said, you know, I said, tell me what you want to kn- want me to know on this or, or what you would like to bring forth out of this. Okay. You know? So, uh, I prayed about it a little bit, but he led me straight to, uh, straight to Luke 22, 31 and 32. And, you know, and, and I'm going to preface this with, my understanding of the Bible and and what I read out of it and okay. uh, and this is my this is my interpretation so just please take it for that um, for all you out there with discerning uh, ears here with yours says Simon Simon Satan is asked to sift all of you as wheat but I have prayed for you Simon that when your faith <laughs> that your faith may not fail and when you have turned back strengthen your brothers now basically what he told me was he says clay the kingdoms aren't divided and there's only two of them there's the kingdom of heaven god's kingdom Mm -hmm. and then there's the kingdom of darkness the one that is ruled by satan and uh going back to the john 15 the evil one that that one being added on you know that almost takes on to a a a more of a personal level Mm -hmm. like it's not just you know if you just said the evil it would it it could accommodate the whole kingdom but in luke he talks about satan asking to sift him and all the disciples and that's a very specific thing there, you know. Um, 
so much so that I think we can probably lead up into the fact that Jesus in John seventeen fifteen is actually talking about Satan there. I, I I'm that's he is, but he's talking about the he is getting ready to defeat right. Satan. Right. He's getting right. ready to yeah. destroy that kingdom that you're that other exactly. kingdom you're talking about. Exactly. You know. But we still are able and I don't really need Satan to tempt me into things <laughs> that that are of my flesh. I can right. do it quite adequately, quite <laughs> right. adequately on my own. Right. So I yes, the yes, there is the the idea that Satan can tempt us, but he's at the threshold. Right. He can't come in. Right. Oh, I agree. He's not omnipresent. So what he Absolutely. does is he fires things at us that that cause us to be distracted from what we know to be true is that we are lovable. Because yes. that's what I, I struggle with in my life is my value. Oh, Do yeah. I have value? And all the time I'm hearing, you have no value, you're not good enough, right. not smart enough. And I have to fight that constantly. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and that's the thing, though. That's the, that's the constant pressure that we're under, especially as men mm-hmm. in America. Yep. I mean, you turn on any one of the, you know, the TV shows, and what do they do? They, you know, they put the dads out there as, as imbecilic, you know, mm-hmm. easy, manipulated, and all that, because it's funny. Mm-hmm. And that's the farthest thing from the truth, because it's not funny. It's not funny. It's a tragedy. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. I agree. And, and basically what I wanted to touch on was the fact that, you know, and this is kind of what I heard the Lord say, he says, you know, King, uh, Satan's kingdom isn't divided either. They work very well together. <laughs> you know. And even though we acknowledge that they are defeated, right. they still work very hard at distracting us. Right. Yep. Right. I agree 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I just wanted to touch on that before we, you know, we went anywhere else. Uh, one of the, like, I love the word. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love, like, I love digging deep and I, you know, the Lord has blessed me with some insight on certain things, but, um, really, I think it comes down to, to a calling on my part Mm -hmm. is, you know, he's called me to, to dig deep and he's called me to, to seek understanding on certain things. And, you know, that has actually nothing to do with me and has everything to do with him. Sure. (laughs) You know, so. But. Well, let's look at the next verse. Okay, and this is a highly important verse. And it says that they are not of the world. Right. Now, the word world is cosmos mm-hmm. in Greek, which doesn't mean earth. It means <laughs> time and space and everything inside of it. Right. Like the universe. God made time and space, put the universe in it, and then pinpointed a place where he put us. Right. And we're that's not our home. This is not our home. Oh, I agree 100%, brother. Yeah, You're getting me excited now. <laughs> because God's outside of that. Yes. And as our father, right. that's where we're headed. You can call it heaven. I don't know what I don't know what else. I don't know what it's going to be like. Yeah. But it's not this. Right. You know, I don't know how many times, you know, I've pondered was it really going to be like in heaven? Yeah. You know, uh, and this is the thing. Of course, there's going to be worship, and of course, but I just, 
Like, there's going to be stuff to do. I hope there's golf courses. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't hold that against you, brother. No, <laughs> no, no, you shouldn't. But, but I don't want to sit on a cloud and play a harp for eternity. No, but Rick, I, I will, I'm going to say something here. And, uh, and I'm just going to testify to something that happened to me last year. And okay. something, you know, I was blessed by, um, by just being in the presence of the Lord in a way that I had never felt or been before. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, it was, a, it was like his manifest presence was there. Now, did I, did I see him with my eyes? No, but the holiness was what I felt and what just surrounded me and overwhelmed me, Rick. And, uh, you know, I could have stayed there in that spot forever. It was, it was that, like, it was just, it was where we're supposed to be. It's where we are. It is. We stand or sit before each other holy. Right. And actually, that's the next verse. (laughs) It says, sanctify them through your truth. What is his truth? He is the truth. He is the word. Yeah, capital W word. Yeah, he (laughs) is. And he said, your word, capital W, is truth. Right. Our identity is not of this world. No. Our identity is Christ. Yes. And when you became a new creature, right. You not only got a new present, a new future, you got yes. a new past. Yes. Your past is Christ, your present is mm. Christ, and your future is Christ. That's good, brother. That's good. We will preach that. So, so we do have the flesh. The flesh right. tempts us all the time, right. but it is just like our, it's not us. Right. It's things that we did that God took away. Right. And it reminds us of what we were, but it is not what we are now. Right. That's another, that's the, that's the, one of the points here is, you know, where does Satan or where do we fight our battles? You know, we fight them in the flesh and we fight them in our heart, our mind, our thoughts you know, uh, who we are. And you said it just a second, you know, uh, the identity of who we are, of, of knowing who we are, but it's always, it always comes back to that when we, when we step out from under knowing who we are, Mm -hmm. that, that we can stumble. And you know what I call that? Being stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really good at that. I'm just letting you know right now. (laughs) I excel at stepping into big buckets of stupid. But well, it, I'm in good company then. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't change me. Right. It doesn't change how God right. sees me. Exactly. That was that was the, that was a, that was one of the beautiful things about being in His presence. Mm-hmm. And and Rick, I've asked I don't know how many times. You know, why me, Lord? Yeah. You know, and it, and 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 this side of heaven or this side of being back in His presence. You know, I may never know that, and He may He may just you know drop that revelation on. But it was just like, oh, there was no condemnation there. No. Like I was in his presence, no. in, in, in the presence of the Holy Father. 
and and just surrounded by holiness. And it was a face, you know, when you read in the Old Testament about uh, when the prophets or somebody was in the presence of God and they just fell face first, that was what it was. Yeah. like. It, and that was the place where I desired to be. What we have to come to terms with, Clay, is that th- that is our position. Yes. That place... That relationship, Mm. that closeness is our eternity, and we get to live there now. Yeah. Now, I do stupid things, (laughs) and it causes me to not think on those heavenly things that you just described, but it doesn't take me away from there. I exist there. You exist there. Right. And people get so caught up in um, the sin issue Mm -hmm. that it becomes a distraction from their true identity, which is not me, Christ, although we are united. I still have my personality. I still have my talents, my skills, and all that stuff that God uses all the time. Yeah, he give them to you. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I didn't want to become a Christian because my goal, my life's dream was to be an artist. Right. And I didn't want to become a Christian because I thought he'd make me not let me do that. <laughs> and right. then, then there came a time where he says, "I made you that way. I want you to do that." Yes, yeah. He put he instilled those things into you. Yes, that creativity and yes, yes, yes. yes. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm a. I, it was. It was surreal, like because it you know it, it wasn't just a moment in time. Mm-hmm. It, it was like time stopped. And I just got to enjoy his presence. And now, Amen. Rick, Amen. now, Rick, I long for that. Yes. I long for that connection mm-hmm. of, of you know, and, and, and my prayer, I know he's probably getting tired of hearing this, is will that ever happen again here? <laughs> you know, will that, are you going to do that again here like you did that, that yeah. one time, yeah. you know, of, of that? And, and, and what I've heard is you don't have to have it, Clay. You know how I am. Mm-hmm. You know who I am. You know, you don't have to have that, but it's not about having to have it to believe. I already believe it was just the, it's the longing for it now in my heart and in my soul and in my whole being. You know what? As you said that, I had the thought that it's not only what you long for, but it's what all of creation longs for. Yes. And they don't even know it. Half of them don't. Half of them don't. But I'm talking about rocks and trees and yes, grass the whole and dirt. Thing. The whole thing longs for that um, presence. Yes. I can see why. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and, and Rick, it was, it was beautiful. Um, it was just beautiful. I don't know how else to explain it other than that. It was, a, it was just a, a beautiful experience that he gifted me and it was a gift. That's like awesome. he, he just gifted me with That's his awesome. presence, awesome. but he, he brought me to a place in John 21. And, uh, if you would like to, I don't, I'd like to share a little bit of some of the insight that he gave me off of that. Sure. And John 21, what? It's, it's basically the whole chapter. Okay. We're not going to, I'm, I I won't just like preach on it, but uh, there's a couple of things in here that I want people, I want your listening audience. I would ask them to, uh, to look into and uh, consider. Yes. Consider, you know, yeah. Um, there's two ministries. There's actually three ministries here that we see. If you read into it, there's the 
of course, the ministry of reconciliation, you know, of where Jesus reinstates Peter, basically, and and brings Peter back mm-hmm. to where Peter needed to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a leadership ministry which is Peter's, gifted to him by God. Mm-hmm. You know, he put Peter in charge because of the gifts and abilities that he had instilled in Peter, just like your artistic abilities or my, my abilities to, to work with my hands and the things I do, you know, that's a ministry, a leadership ministry is a ministry. Like there's certain people just lead well, Mm -hmm. you know, and then there's an intercessor ministry here. And this is the one that he's really brought to the forefront in my, in my heart of uh, we as men need to pick this mantle up and run with it because, and this is just my personal opinion, uh, we have we have a tendency to look at intercessory ministry as something somebody else does, you know, um, and and women are great at it. They're naturally empathetic. They're naturally, they connect quicker, it seems. And they're just like most people that I know that walk well in an intercessory ministry are female. And, and I, you know, I just feel like God is calling us men to step into that role too. And uh, let me let me kind of go through this, and I'm going to do it quick because I don't want to take up a whole lot of time here. But it says, you know, it says, uh, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples together. Peter says, I'm going out to fish. Now that's important. It says, Simon Peter told them, I'm going out to fish. And they said, we'll go with you. Okay, that's that's a leadership ministry right there. You know, Peter decided that he was going to go out to go fish. And six of the disciples said, we'll go with you. We're going to follow you, Peter. Okay. So, so they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but his disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Now, Jesus... If you read it in the text and you go lexicon on it and stuff, it says he stood on the shore. He didn't say anything. He just stood and made his presence known. Now, he's they're about 100 yards from shore. So the disciples are 100 yards from the Lord of glory, and they don't know it's the Lord of glory yet. All right? He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? <coughs> If you look at that word friends, it talks about it's a it's a in the actual lexicon where you where the word it talks about children and it's children in chain training. Right. You know, so he calls to them from the shore. When he speaks, he says, Children, you know, haven't you any fish? Well he knew the answer to that. We both sure. know that. You know, he was asking them, Hey, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, no, they answered. He says, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Now, let's stop right there for a second. You know, if 
if I'm a hundred yards out talking to a guy on the shore and I'm a professional fisherman done it all my life, you know, <laughs> that in itself is, is a whole sermon, you know, because his right is my left, you know, mm-hmm. and there had to be a, there had to be like a conversation on a boat is who is this guy over here telling us to fish on a different side of the boat? You know, right. we're the professional fishermen here. Let's, you know, but at some point somebody said, well, we haven't caught anything all night long. Let's try the other side of the boat. You know what I mean? So they did. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. That's the second time that's happened, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes. Amen. This is this has been seen before. Yeah. You know what I mean? This this thing has been seen before. Now <clears throat> this is where it gets good, brother. It says, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, of course we know that's John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. All right, let's stop right there for a second, brother. The disciple that knew he was loved by Jesus, the one that was close to Jesus, the one that laid his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper, you know, he's the one that recognized him first. Now, this is the first question I have for your audience, is why do you think he recognized him before anybody else did? And we're going to go on. We're going to come back and touch on these questions. So, so he said, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say that, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Now, Peter was getting ready to swim a 100-yard dash, basically. Yeah. Why would you put your coat on? Think about that for just a second. Okay. That's, the, that's the second question. Why did Peter put his coat on before he jumped in the water to try to swim? All right, now let's continue to go. This says, for he jumped into water. Says, go ahead, brother. If you got something you no, want. No, no, okay. I'm listening. Okay. Go around. Go on. <laughs> the other disciple followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals. With <clears throat> There were fish on it and some bread. So otherwise, there was already food there. Jesus knew what they needed. They needed a hot meal. They needed nourishment, but they needed to be in his presence too. He says, uh, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. All right, let's stop right there for a second because this is a fact that I want, I want to touch on. I don't know what they considered a large fish in biblical time, but even if it was a fish of five pounds, that's seven. That's seven hundred sixty-five pounds worth of fish. Wow. Yeah. All right. Now think about this. Peter just swam a hundred-yard dash with his coat on. Then, after landing at the shore, he gets back into the boat, grabs the whole net, seven hundred fifty pounds, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. and drags it to the to the fire. You know what I mean? Now put yourself in the position of one of the other disciples seeing this. You know, you're witnessing God empowering Peter. You're witnessing empowering Peter to handle the provision that he had just poured out for them all. That's a leadership ministry. Okay. Picture this. They're sitting around the campfire, 
and there's six disciples, Peter and Jesus, and only one of them soaking wet. All right. Uh, even with so many in the net, the, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, that word come in a different, in, in most translations has an exclamation point behind it, like get over here, quit paying attention to the provision and come to the provider. All right. Uh, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Uh, Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Notice he's serving them again right here. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. All right, let's stop right here. Because there's a couple questions, you know, we we could ask. But I just want to touch base here. We've witnessed a miraculous catch. We've witnessed... A hundred yard dash swam with their coat on. We've witnessed a man carry 750 pounds, drag 700, 800 pounds of worth of fish, you know, without tearing a net. We've witnessed some, some amazing things here, you know. And, and then on top of all that, Jesus says, get over here. Let me serve you. You know, let me, let me give you nourishment. All right. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, anybody that studied this knows that, that Jesus asked him, do you agape love me? And Peter replies with, I phileo love you. Agape being a godly love, a, self or a, 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 a self-denying love, and the phileo love being a brotherly love. So Jesus asked Peter one thing, and Peter replies with another. But it doesn't stop Jesus from commissioning Peter just because he answered wrong. Sure. Yes, Lord, he says, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Again, it's the phileo loving. You know, he said, you know, I love you. You know, I love and now I'm not, I'm not ragging on Peter here. Please understand that because I truly feel like this was probably all Peter could muster in his heart. You know, he didn't feel like he had that agape love. He was capable of agape love because he was still carrying the, the condemnation of, of, of denying Christ. You know, he could, I don't think he could get over it yet. That's yeah. why the Lord come. Yeah. Okay. And then the third time, you know, he, he still, he still, he says, take care of my sheep. Now that's, that's, that's not lambs. That's something different. You know I mean? He's, he's commissioning him to do different things. Right. Uh, the third time he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He says, do you even phileo love me? He says, do you even really phileo, do you even really brotherly love me? And this is the moment where that contrite heart came into to play because Peter was heartbroken you know <sighs> Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time do you love me he says Lord you know all things alright we're back to Lord you know how you know what's in my heart 
you know the you know the things that are in there that's stopping me from loving you the way I should love you. Okay. He said, feed my sheep. And then he tells him, he goes on to tell him that, you know, you're going to die a certain way. And, you know, but the main thing is you follow me. He says, feed my sheep. Very, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. All right. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Okay. He's just, he's just reinstating that in Peter. He's pouring that into Peter. You know, Peter, I'm calling you to be a, the leader here, but you have to follow me to lead well. All right? Now, this is, this is the part that gets me. He says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Literally, John got it. Like, John, out of the, Peter and John, I truly believe John understood Christ's love better than Peter did. Now, John didn't have the leadership capabilities that Peter did. Right. But I think he truly understood the love of Christ down in his heart. That's why he could say, I'm the one that Jesus loved, or I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. You know, yeah. he, he didn't have a problem with identity, right. you know. <clears throat> he was following them, literally, like, he wasn't, you know, the Lord of glory is here I'm, and he's in my presence. I'm not going to let him get too far away from me type right. deal, you know. Yeah. And, and, and Peter turns, and this is, this, is, this is perfect, Peter. And saw the disciple and says, you know, says, Lord, you know, what about him? You know, wh- what about John? <laughs> and this is great. He says, Lord, who's going to, you know, he says, uh, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Well, you know, well, well, John was doing exactly what he's supposed to do. He was following Jesus, literally, <laughs> everywhere he went, you know. And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Your focus has to be here, mm-hmm. okay? But I want to stop and ask, this is probably the, the last big question is, why did Peter ask that question about John? Now, why, I mean, why was he asked? well, what about him? All right. This is the insight. And, and I truly believe this was a gift from the Lord. And, you know, I can't prove this, but, you know, if you have discernment, go with it and discern what it is. Out of the two ministries... Peter's was the leadership ministry, but John's was an intercessor ministry. Like John was an intercessor ministry. Now let's go back to that first question I asked. Was the disciple whom Jesus loved said, is the Lord? Why do you think John knew it was, it was the Lord first? Ah, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something out here. If Peter was going back to his old way of of making a living, going back to his old lifestyle, and John knew it, and John knew that Peter was supposed to lead, that was Christ's intention. John wasn't going to let Peter get out of sight either. And John got in that boat knowing Peter was off course. 
And when they went out and they threw them nets out all night, I have a feeling that John was sitting over there helping pull those nets up, praying that they would be empty. God, don't let Peter be profitable in this, or we may never get him back to where he's supposed to be. You know, it was John that prayed for it. Think about this. When did Jesus show up? He showed up the first in the morning when his mercies are new. John had been praying all night to Peter or to God about Peter. God, I need your help. I need you, I need you to show back up here and get Peter back on track. So when it did happen and he did see the miracle of the fish, he knew who was standing on the shore and he knew his prayers was answered. In a leadership role, we have to be so close to Jesus. We have to be, we have to be true disciples and, and be able to taste the dust from Jesus' feet, basically. And as men, we are all called to somewhat of a leadership ministry, either in our home, in our jobs, in different places maybe in the church but we all have somewhat of a leadership ministry somewhere where is our intercessor ministry it's always for those who are above us you know we should be praying for our leaders as well that's what john did john was praying for peter and he was praying hey jesus i need you to show up here and help me out all right, let's see. Let's look at the, the wrapping of the, of the cloak, you know, because it says that when Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he grabbed his coat and put it on and then jumped in the water. When Peter was out there doing worldly things in his old profession, you know, he didn't feel like he had to cover himself. You know, he was out here in the world. He doesn't, you know, he could have been out there and he didn't feel like he, he had to cover himself. But he was fixing to be at the feet of Jesus after his swim. And he, he probably knew he was leading wrong. He covered himself and then he jumped in the water. But when he come up out of that water, he was literally standing in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord didn't say, Peter, why is your coat on? You know, he didn't say that. He said, bring some of the fish and come over here and eat. Then we'll talk. All right. Uh, let's see. There's a couple more deals here, but... If we as men in this, this show being a, the man box. We have got to get in our hearts, you know, and when I say our hearts, I'm not talking about that thing that beats. I'm talking about who we are. The fact that the other people's ministries need our prayers. The fact that being an intercessor for somebody else is one of the highest honors that we can do here. 
you know, we've taken this, well, I'll pray for you. And, and I think we've gotten not lazy with it, but I don't think we give it the credit that we should, you know, when, when Peter was arrested the night that he was, or I mean, when Jesus was arrested the night that Jesus was arrested, you know, Peter grabbed a sword and, and he cut off the, the, the guy's ear. Well, he wasn't trying to cut his ear off. He's trying to take his head off. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Now think about this. If he was trying to take his head off with a sword in the flesh, Jesus tells him, put that away, put that away. But the Lord is fixing to pour out his spirit upon everybody. And he needs Peter to be dead on. He doesn't need Peter to be off at two or three degrees. He's fixing to empower him with the power needed to build the church and to start this, what we now see as the church. So the night that Peter or that Jesus was arrested, Peter tried to kill one guy with a sword and couldn't even get that done. But the first time he preached, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he swung that sword of the Spirit, there was 3,000 people that, that got slain right there and gave their life to the Lord. You know, if he hadn't been back on track, would that have happened? No, it wouldn't have. It's not just about being a leader or about intercessor or about whatever. It's about being available for whatever the Lord needs you to. He may need you to lead in one area and intercede in another. Let's talk about that word intercede. Yeah, absolutely. Because as you were as you were talking, you said um, Peter recognized that it was the Lord immediately. And there's two reasons that I see. One, he recognized his voice. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. And the second time was because this is the second time this miracle has happened. So he right. made that connection pretty fast. Um, can I can I add something here? Sure. He probably just trusted John too, because it was John that spoke it. Yeah. And he trusted his brother. Yeah. To to you know, like there's certain there's certain people that I'm surrounded by, you know, at my church that I just trust their judgment. Sure. Because I you know I trust that they hear from the Lord, mm-hmm. you know, and I trust that they they're on the right track. Sure. You know, so when you know when John said that Peter, you know, he took it to heart. Yeah. You know, so I, that's all I'll add. So the intercessor part, I I'm I totally agree with what you're saying, but intercession is more than praying. Mm-hmm. I think John was a listener. Yes. God, yes. <laughs> and I think yes. that's I think that's the key difference between Peter and John. Yeah. John was a listener, Peter was a doer. Mm-hmm. I agree. And <laughs> you know, I've known enough doers to know they don't listen. <laughs> not at all, brother. <laughs> like Peter's one of my favorite guys in yeah. here, and it's not because he he did everything right, but because he didn't. Yeah, you know, and um, and so being an intercessor, it's as important to pray for others 
it's as important to do both of these, listen and pray. Yes. And I think they both, if you listen to God, then you're going to know what to pray. Exactly. If you listen to God, you're going to know how to pray. Right. He will provide you with, you talk about the agape love. That's not a love we can experience. That's a love that's gifted to yes, us. Exactly. And so in order to, um, in order for men to be intercessors, they have to learn how to listen, no yes. matter how good or doers they are. Yes. Because it, it got Peter into trouble. <laughs> Peter's like, <laughs> and I can relate to that. I can too, because yeah. I, 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 you know, the Lord has, has placed me in leadership roles in certain places. And I just, you know, it's something that I'm, I'm good at because, mm -hmm. but it's not because I'm good at it. It's because it's what he's put in me. <laughs> but you know, I, I am the world's worst about assessing things on my own. And, and, and because of the anointing of that, you know, I can look at something and say, okay, well, this needs to shift a little bit here, or this needs to do there. And I don't even really stop and listen, you know, that's just my personal opinion. Now it may actually work, but you know, what if, but it, but it separates me from the people that I should be listening to. Does that make sense? Um, yes, it does make sense. Yes. But yes, there's no, but I don't want, yeah. I started to say, but, but there's no, but there's only, I, yes, we have to take the time to listen. Yes. Um, I struggle. I struggled with the idea of every man is a leader. Mm -hmm. That is a true statement. Yes. We are designed, we are made to lead. Um, but not every man understands yes. what that role looks like. Yes. And sometimes the church doesn't help much with that understanding that role. Because no. the guy up front is one kind of leader, mm -hmm. but the guy sitting in the pew is another kind of leader. Yes. And we have to be able to make the distinction between leadership styles. Right. Um, I was a passive man for most of my adult life. Right. And guys would, people would say, stand up men and lead your families. And I would go, okay, okay, I want to do that. Is, yeah. is, is that all right, honey? <laughs> <laughs> passive men don't know that they're passive. Right. They just know that they, that something's not working because they want to be that leader. They yeah. want to take that role and be an influence. Right. Mm -hmm. um, leadership is influencing. Yes. Leadership is guiding. You don't pull people. You don't push people. You walk alongside people. Right. And that's what a good leader does. Amen. Amen. But we, we think that you have to be in charge and large and strong. And a lot of us are not. I have a I have a friend. I, I I attend Antioch Church in Norman, and there's a pastor on staff down there. And his name is Nick Ellis. And Nick, from the first time I seen him, Rick, he was walking around the sanctuary, hugging people. I mean, literally, like he's just walking around hugging people, and you can tell there's love there. Like it was like he walked by, and I snatched him up. I said, "Hey, man, can I get one of those?" You know, I don't know this guy from, you know, <laughs> from, from Adam, you know, and he's like, yeah, you sure can, you know, <laughs> and the Lord spoke to me. He says, you're going to learn to love 
from him. Yes, amen. You know, and that's just huge, brother. That's that's such a... <sighs> and I'm... I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to that. You learn to love by listening. That's it. You learn to love by listening, but it's it's to lead in love. Yes. To lead in love and to lead in specific in Christ's love. And that's what men are missing. Yes. They're missing um, the instruction for what it means to love to guide, to come alongside, right. and to listen. I agree. And to choose leadership. Yes. But they don't know what leadership is. We, nobody has defined that. I would like for you to um, come back and let's talk. Let's come up with definitions of leadership. Let's not call men to leadership and then they not know what it is. Oh, I agree. I agree because that's just that's like blowing the horn and not knowing where to go to fight. Yeah. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. They're giving you a sword that's way more than you can handle. <laughs> right. I, I I agree. Um, I I I will definitely come back. Um, yeah. Let's let's leave it. Let's leave it. Let's. Let's say, okay, the next time you hear from Clay and me, we're going to tell you what it means to be a leader Sounds as much good. as we can. Absolutely. We're, let Give me time to go pray about it. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. Because if we're going to put wisdom out there, let's make sure it's the right kind. You know? <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want any other kind. Amen, brother. Amen. But you have demonstrated that God speaks to you, and so I'm confident that he will lead us to what it means to be led. Right. and what it means to lead right what our part of the leader part is you know it because this is in in my you know jesus set the set the bar yeah you know he set the bar you know and his style of leadership was washing feet and you know okay what you're talking about his style of leadership was serving exactly <laughs> you know, self-sacrificing uh -huh. serving, you know, but that's just, that was, that was the first thing that come to my mind was, you know, he, he set aside everything and, uh, and he led from a position of his knees. Yep. Okay. Thank you guys for listening. Absolutely. I'm going to push the button here. Not the right button. There it is. Thank you, Clay. That was very good. And I look forward to having you back and talk about this other, finishing this up. Same. Sounds good. Thank you, Rick. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks. We're out. <laughs>